It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Or I guess I'm really joining you on your smartphone or tablet because you click the subscribe button at thepetecalendarshow.com. So thanks for that. Uh, thank you also to the patrons, like Jenny and Sean, Matt, Susan, Mike, Linda Grace, Lisbeth, JF, Leslie, Lisa, and Jolene. I appreciate the support. They became patrons of the show. You can as well. Uh, just by going to thepetecalendarshow.com, clicking on the link that's at the top there, and you get access to the exclusive content and some free merchandise that I send your way. So thanks to them. Um, no American president in American history has been impeached twice, but it's kind of looking like Donald Trump is going to be the first, and we will all be alive to see it. Unless, you know, COVID takes us first. So we're going to get into this. We also have uh, Madison Cawthorn, who is the congressman from the 11th Congressional District in Western North Carolina, has uh, become the target uh, for uh, the left, trying to knock him out of the seat that he uh, just won. So we'll get into that. Also, there is a reporter from WRAL who joined our friend Casey O'Day for his radio morning show the other day. I've got some audio clips <laughs> that, <clears throat> oh boy, uh, we'll take a listen to that as well. First, listen to me when I tell you General Equipment Rental is the place to go for all of your equipment rental needs. If you have a project either at home or on a job site and you need a specific tool or a piece of equipment, but you don't want to go buy it because you don't need it for, you know, permanent ownership. You just need it for that one job. This is the perfect solution. General Equipment Rental. They've got all sorts of equipment and tools, uh, you know, big stuff like earth movers, you know, big construction equipment. But they also have smaller stuff, you know, air tools, compressors, uh, power tools and stuff. So whether you're a homeowner or a contractor, whether you need it for your professional work or your personal work, General Equipment Rental is the answer. GeneralRents.com. General Equipment Rental is in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. They're family owned and operated, and they have been for three generations. Great people, great service, and great equipment. And by the way, they are also your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So if you are thinking about picking up some new yard equipment, for example, you know, with spring approaching, go to General Equipment Rental. Support the businesses that support this show and tell them that you heard it here. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. So no American president in almost 250 years now, uh, has ever been impeached more than once. And uh, that is probably going to happen today. All right. As I'm recording this on January 13th, that's likely going to happen today. Democrats control the House. They are uh, they filed an article of impeachment. Uh, or is it plural? Is it always articles of impeachment? Anyway, uh, they have a single charge, incitement of insurrection. And um, the House first tried to uh, convince the vice president, Mike Pence, uh, and Donald Trump's cabinet to invoke the 25th Amendment 
in order to remove Trump from office. Uh, but Pence said he's not going to do that. And so the House went ahead and passed a resolution that says you really should do that. Declare what is obvious to a horrified nation that the president is unable to successfully discharge the duties and powers of his office. Now, there are a handful of Republicans that have already said that they uh, may be joining or they will be joining this effort, and that number could very well grow. And just before I started the show, I saw that there were reports now surfacing that Senate leader Mitch McConnell is willing to take this up and to allow Republicans to vote to convict. Right. So you have the impeachment in the House. It goes over to the Senate for the trial. uh, And then the Senate uh, would vote to convict or acquit, basically. Right. And so uh, McConnell, rather than slow rolling this, seems like he has apparently been telling people that he will allow this to unfold, thereby allowing Trump to actually be removed from office if they are able to get it done before, what, next week, right? You got the clock is running now uh, because there's only a a, a few amount, seven seven days now, right, before the inauguration. So Trump's going to be out anyway. So you can't and you can't impeach a president once he's already gone. Uh, now, people are like, oh, I don't believe it. This is an anonymously sourced piece from The New York Times. And I totally get it. I am suspicious of it as well because anonymous source and New York Times. However, there is some reporting also out there that uh, indicates McConnell is pretty mad at Donald Trump. You know why? Because he's no longer going to be the Senate majority leader. <clears throat> that McConnell kind of blames Trump for the losses in Georgia. And because of that, McConnell isn't going to be in charge of the U.S. Senate. And so he's kind of ticked off at Donald Trump. And if you convict Trump on the way out the door, then Trump no longer can run for an office. He can never run for, he can't run for re-election in 2024. Now, what does that do to the uh, uh, the base of Trump supporters? And by the way, I keep seeing a lot of people who count this 70 million number as, you know, Trump supporters. And I just want to point out that that's that's not really fair because there were a lot of people in that 70 million population that voted for Trump because he was a Republican, because he wasn't Joe Biden. They didn't like Donald Trump, but they held their nose because they were afraid of uh, of what the left was indicating that they are interested in doing, which, by the way, that's what now they're doing. So, um I don't think it's fair to say, you know, you're alienating 70 million Trump voters. I'm not so sure about that. I'm not. Now, I have seen some polling that indicates Trump is still popular among Republican voters, like almost half or something like that. So, uh, yeah, you're definitely going to take a hit. And this is what people, by the way, people like me, were worried about when Trump um, ran in the primary and then won, was that the Republican Party after Trump is not going to look like the Republican Party before Trump. Now, that could be good or bad, right? Uh, my concern as a limited government guy, when I'm watching this rise of populism that is Trumpism, that's concerning to me. It was concerning to me because I don't view their uh, ideology as in line with mine. I think there are a lot of things that populists will do 
that limited government people would object to, that I would object to. So that was always my concern. Trump is going to remake the GOP, and I don't know what it's going to look like afterwards. And by the way, one of the things it could look like is a party that can't pull more than, you know, 15 percent of the popular vote in any presidential election. That's what it could look like. Democrats could get the run of everything for the rest of our lifetime. Right. You could see an emergence of another party, but that would be like a Trumpian third party of some kind. Right. Um, And the Republican Party just kind of withers on the vine. I don't know. Or does does Trumpism completely, you know, storm the battlements and take over the GOP? I'm only talking metaphorically. That is not a literal incitement to storm anything. Okay, but is it possible then that the populists take over the GOP completely and thoroughly? Don't know. Right. These are just the ideas that where this could go. And now a lot of people who are making predictions as if they know the future. I am not one of them. I don't know the future. If I did know the future, I would have been playing lottery tickets a long time ago. And I probably would not be doing a daily podcast at this point. I would be like on a beach of my own private island because I could tell the future and all. Right now, I can tell you this bit of future. I, I do know this, that if you are trying to sell your house and you use Rowena Patton as your real estate agent, you're going to get your house sold fast and for more money. But i that's not really knowing the future, okay? its That's based on past performance, okay? Because she not, she outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. And so when you see that kind of a record, you know that if you put her to work for you, then you're going to get that kind of result, right? That's what she does. She and her all-star powerhouse team, they get homes sold fast and for more money, outselling 99% of the realtors in the state. They also have homes in all price points. So if you're looking to buy a house, uh, she can do that for you as well. And if you are a police officer, a firefighter, a healthcare professional, an educator, a member of the military, so veteran, active duty, or retirees, uh, you can keep 25% of the realtor commissions through the Homes for Heroes program that Rowena Patton and her team are parts of. So give her a call at 333-4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com and then start packing. All right, so there is an effort underway to remove a bunch of Republican lawmakers. And uh, these are the lawmakers uh, who signed on to an objection to the certification of the vote. And for the record, I have no problem with lawmakers signing on to an objection. Because in my view and from my understanding of it, uh, there isn't anything other than it's just procedural. It's it's formatic, and uh, they signed an objection. There were no other slates of electors for them to consider. And so, no, they, they were not stopping the election. Also, I don't, I don't know how they would have proceeded if they had the majority in the House of Representatives. A lot of people making predictions about the way people would have acted uh, had they had the majority, and I don't know that to be true either. I try to deal with things that are real, have occurred, and uh, are factual. So uh, there is a lot of this effort now directed at these Republicans who objected to the uh, the state vote tallies that were coming in out of states that were accused of uh, counting fraudulent votes. So Madison Cawthorn, Congressman Cawthorn from uh, Western North Carolina, our my uh, representative here, um, he is one of them, but he is also uniquely positioned in this as a target because he also spoke at two events. One was a Turning Point USA event last month, and then the other was at the Stop the Steal rally uh, that led to the march on the Capitol and then uh, the riots inside the Capitol, right? So 
Um, Madison Cawthorn is now the target of a lot of these Democratic lawmakers and officials. They want to see him uh, kicked out. And so there's this effort underway. There's a, there's even a petition at change.org. So, you know, it's serious. Uh, so here is what he said at this. And I have the hang on a second here. Yeah, here it is. Matt. Uh, yeah. So here he is at Turning Point USA. They did an event last month. And uh, here's what he said. And so, everybody, I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you. Please get on the phone, call your congressman and, and feel free. You, you can lightly threaten them. And say, what? say, you know what? If you don't start supporting election integrity, I'm coming after you. Madison Cawthorn's coming after you. Everybody's coming after you. All right. So that's the quote that has got everyone uh, accusing him of inciting violence. Right. That quote right there. I'll play it again. And so, everybody, I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you. Please get on the phone, call your congressman and, and feel free. You, you can lightly threaten them and say, <laughs> Say, you know what? If you don't start supporting election integrity, I'm coming after you. Madison Cawthorn's coming after you. Everybody's coming after you. All right. So is that an incitement to violence from a month ago, from last month? Call your congressman and feel free. You can lightly threaten them and say that I'm coming after you. Madison's coming after you. Everyone's coming after you. If you uh, want to dismiss this, I think there is obvious wiggle room here to say, well, he's talking about calling your congressman and lightly threatening them like we're going to come after you, but not physically, really. No, we're talking, you know, metaphorically, rhetorically on social media at the ballot box. Right. Isn't that what Peter Strzok told us? Right. The FBI guy that was in charge of investigating Donald Trump when he was having the text message exchanges with his mistress, who was uh, uh, also an FBI like lawyer. Right. That was part of this team investigating Trump. And they were texting back and forth. And she was like, oh, tell me Trump's not going to win. Right. And Strzok says, no, no, we'll stop him. And when he was asked about that at the congressional hearings, he said he meant at the ballot box, of course. I didn't buy that line of crap then, and I'm not sure I'm buying it now. I think a lot of politicians speak in this kind of fiery, violent rhetoric because they assume that nobody is ever going to act upon it. And for a long time, that has been the case on the right. Really, for a long time, that has been the case. Uh, There are a lot of people on the left who have been engaged in political violence over the last year or two, actually four years now. Right. You had uh, I mean, you had a guy go and try to assassinate like most of the uh, Republican Party leadership while they were outside on a ball field. He was inspired by the words of leftists of Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, who were using that same kind of heated rhetoric. Okay, Um, like, for example, uh, Loretta Lynch, who is the uh, was the attorney general. And she said at one point, you know, there will be blood in the streets. Uh, Chris Cuomo at CNN. Who says protests have to be peaceful? Ayanna Presley, Congresswoman. There needs to be unrest in the streets. Kamala Harris. Protesters should not let up. Um, Nancy Pelosi. I just don't know why there aren't uprisings all over this country. Maybe there should be. And then, of course, Maxine Waters, who said, you get out and create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they are not welcome anymore anywhere. 
And all of these people can claim that they were simply being rhetorical. I didn't actually literally mean push back on them. I'm not saying put your hands on people and push back on them. I'm simply saying remove them from the public scene, right? They're not allowed to be in public anymore. If you see them in public, tell them they're not allowed to be in public. And that's what I meant by pushing back. It's just, you know harassing, intimidating, yelling and screaming, but not physical altercations. So this is why I don't play this game. I don't I've never suffered this stuff when people would call in on a radio show and they would say things like, uh, you know, well, we got some Second Amendment remedies and stuff. No, like I would ask, like, what do you mean by that? Please explain. I want you to be very, very specific. You don't get to pretend that what you just said is not a threat of violence. Right? I have always taken that approach. And I took it with the left over you know, the last few years with their constant rioting and burning of people's businesses and attacks on Republicans, right? Uh, I, I've taken the same approach then as I do now. I don't think this kind of rhetoric has any place. By the way, there was a comment here from, or a statement rather, <clears throat> that was put out by, here it is, State Senator Chuck Edwards, who is from Henderson County, uh, which is the, uh, the home county of Madison Cawthorn as well. And Chuck Edwards put out the statement. He says, quote, there's a right way and a wrong way to conduct yourself as a legislator. And I'm incredibly concerned about Congressman Cawthorn's conduct. Like many people, I share concerns about Americans confidence in our election systems integrity. I intend to work with my colleagues in Raleigh this year to pass legislation to address the concerns that I hear from North Carolinians. Congressman Cawthorn's inflammatory approach of encouraging people to lightly threaten legislators not only fails to solve the core problem of a lack of confidence in the integrity of our election system, it exacerbates the divisions in our country and has the potential to needlessly place well-meaning citizens, law enforcement officers, and elected officials in harm's way. As a lawmaker, he says, I don't need to be threatened to do the job the voters hired me to do. But see, this is a common approach in political discourse now. And and honestly, it's been normalized by our friends on the left that we will pressure you through a show of of numbers. Right. That Bernie Sanders made this very clear, like when he was threatening Mitch McConnell and the Republicans to expand Medicare and do a, you know, uh, socialized medicine and stuff. He was urging young people to show up at the Capitol, show up out front. So this way he could point to the crowd and say, you don't want to do this. Look out your window. Well, that's a threat, just like the whole chant of no justice, no peace. That's a threat. That's a threat. It, I've always assumed that to be a threat. And I know people on the left who chant that. They say, no, 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 it's not a threat. I mean, even though we're chanting it and then, you know, some riots break out, it's not a threat of no peace. Right. If like we're not making it like a blackmail kind of a deal where if you don't do this thing we demand, then we will cause violence. It just so happens that when we chant this thing and then violence occurs, purely coincidental, like they're not connected. I don't buy it. It's always been crap. You guys are playing with fire with this stuff. And I know it makes you feel good. And I know you think that like this is the most important thing ever. So you got to mobilize hundreds of thousands of people, break quarantine and go march on stuff. I like I understand you believe that you think what you're doing is for the good of people and the country. Right. But here's a, here's some breaking news. Uh, so did the people who stormed the Capitol. They thought the same thing. Now, you could disagree with that, but they thought the same thing. They thought 
that Democrats have stolen and rigged the election and that the fate of the republic is in the balance right now. And if they didn't do something, then communists would take over. And by the way, not for nothing, when I see the proposals that you guys are talking about running through, you know, in the uh, uh, in the early days of your power, um, you're not exactly disabusing them of those fears, right? You're kind of playing into the fears. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you should not do something based on fear of the mob. Not at all what I'm saying. I'm just pointing out that the very motivations that people on the left had for their marching are the same motivations that people on the right have for theirs. But there needs to be this recognition of a bright line. There has to be recognition that you do not engage in violence and that if you are organizing, because look what happened over the summer. We saw all of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests. They were organized. And and I made the comments at the time. I pointed this out. You notice they're always organizing these things at like six, seven o'clock at night. Why is that? Because they know that when the sun goes down, then the the peaceful protests will degenerate into violence. And then you get the whole group of people that organized and they're like, we're just here for the peaceful protest and we're going home at, you know, seven o'clock on the dot, got to be home. And then they leave and then they allow the violence to occur. So everybody has been okay. They look the other way on a lot of this stuff. They have been. But now that it's their political opponents, uh -uh uh-uh, now they can't. And so I'm not going to suffer this kind of dismissive attitude either on the right. If you've got people like Madison Cawthorn who's out there saying, you know, you need to lightly threaten like, no, like, I understand he's a young guy, but that that is that kind of language has no place in political uh, speech, especially at a time like this, especially. And maybe it's my 20 years in media that like has trained me. You got to be very, very careful when you are speaking in front of other people about the words that you use. And if you say something like this, it is incumbent upon you to immediately retract that. You can't unsay it. I get that. And maybe you didn't think that it would lead to this. Then say that. Weeks later, now we're at the Stop the Steal rally in Washington, D.C., Cawthorn spoke uh, before Trump for about an, uh, about an hour before Donald Trump took the stage. And uh, as is reported at MSN.com, that he told the crowd that the crowd has some fight in it. And then he says, quote, the Democrats, with all the fraud they have done in this election, the Republicans hiding and not fighting, they are trying to silence your voice. Make no mistake about it. They do not want you to be heard. But my friends, when I took out into this crowd, I can confidently say this crowd has the voice of lions. There is a new Republican Party on the rise that will represent this country that will go and fight in Washington, D.C. OK, I don't have any problem with that. This is being cited as proof that he was whipping them up. Um, that there's a there's a new Republican Party on the rise that will represent this country that will go and fight in Washington, D.C. That's future looking. I have no problem with that. He then calls his colleagues in Congress cowards, <laughs> which I'm not sure is the best way to uh, <laughs> to get anything done. Uh, he Cawthorn later denounced the violence at the Capitol as it was happening on January 6th, asking rioters to protest peacefully and, quote, let the objections continue in accordance with the Constitution. Then a day later, on the 7th, he said the riot wasn't patriotism, it was thuggery. He told Raleigh's ABC 11 that he believed Donald Trump had some responsibility for the riot, saying, quote, I think when the president said we're going to march down to the Capitol and I'm going to march with you, that was a major mistake. 
He never should have directed that crowd towards the Capitol. The bad outcome was destined at that point. So I do find this interesting that he he finds uh, he finds Trump's comments problematic by saying we're going to march down to the Capitol uh, and cheer on the Republicans and some, you know, probably not so cheer. Uh, but um, he doesn't find anything wrong with what he said about lightly threatening. Like to me, there's just again, there's no place for that. Um, now MSNBC or no MSN.com, sorry. Um, says that um, Cawthorne is still selling T-shirts on his website that say cry more lib in reference to a tweet he made after winning the general election in November. And I don't understand why that is in this story. (laughs) That I don't get. Like cry more lib. That's is that wrong? Is that incitement to violence, telling somebody to cry more because they were like, is that's not an incitement to violence. That's not seditionist or insurrectionist or anything else. Okay, it's not. It was I mean, I don't think it was an appropriate thing to say right after you win an election, but I'm also not 25 years old. I'm 47. So I come from a different generation. These people talk like this. I think the kids today. What can I say? No, I don't. I didn't think it was appropriate. I don't think it's incitement, though. And I don't know why it's in this story as some sort of evidence that uh, that Madison Cawthorn uh, cry more lives. He's like, oh, oh, is it because like I want there to be pain and violence uh, so you can cry more? So I'm trying to induce these tears through physical violence. Is that the idea? I don't know. They never make a point of explaining uh, why that's included. But what do I know? I do know that uh, king size mattresses are fantastic. My wife and I picked ours up. This is the first king size mattress either of us have ever owned. We got one from Mattress Man stores about, uh, what, eight years ago now? And we love it. We love the mattress. And uh, if we ever replace it, it's going to be with another king size mattress. Because once, once you go to a king size, like anytime you go sleep in a smaller one, it's like, I don't know if I can go back to this, you know? But kind of spoiled. Um, but maybe, look, if you like the queen size, we are like some people like the queen size mattress. And they like getting all, you know, snuggly while they sleep. Uh, you can pick up a 14 inch hybrid queen mattress for five seventy eight. Um, choose, you know, your choice of firmness at Mattress Man for their MLK Day sale. They have a Split King mattress blowout going on where you can pick up a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses for the king size mattresses. And the Split King is two. Right. As it would indicate, you got two different mattresses. So the big king mattress is split in half and then you can raise and lower independently each side of the bed. How awesome is that? And you can have one side firm, one side softer. uh, And so this way, everybody's happy. Right. If you can't agree or come up with a compromise on the firmness or sleeping position on a king size mattress, you don't have to. Just go to Mattress Man for the Split King Mattress Blowout, save a bunch of money, and, uh, you know, maybe save your marriage. Go to Mattress Man. Four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide, local five-star delivery service, and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So uh, there are these calls now for Madison Cawthorn to resign or be removed or, you know, punished somehow by the House, uh, which is run by Democrats, Cawthorn a Republican. And uh, this is all over the stuff that I've just gone over with his uh, these comments. Now, uh, forgive me if I don't immediately believe the uh, uh, the thunderous indignation being expressed by 
these situational moral grandstanders, because that's what they are, okay? This is this kind of demand being made of Cawthorn when it was never made of any of their own allies because they never, you know, thought that what their allies were saying was incitement to violence, even though violence occurred afterwards. Right. But now I'm supposed to believe that you need to take this strong line against any member of Congress who incites violence through any of their words. And by the way, pay no attention to any of the words that we have been saying for the last five years. Okay, so. Uh, officials representing the Democratic Party's 11th district organization. So uh, each, you know, in, in all of our congressional seats or districts, rather, there are organizations inside of the parties. Uh, so you have, you know, various officers in the uh, in these organizations. And the Republican Party has them as well. So these folks who are in the Democratic Party's 11th district organization, they all wrote a letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying that Madison Cawthorn exhibited seditious behavior, which is the new favorite term among the left, uh, calling anybody basically who supported Donald Trump a seditionist. Okay, And uh, prior to the storming of the Capitol, I was able to say it's literally not sedition. Simply objecting to the election results or calling into question the legitimacy of the counts in some of these states, that's not sedition because sedition required violence. And so thank you, QAnon and Trump supporters and Proud Boys. Thanks so much for now making this an operable term that the left can legitimately use against some of the people that were engaged in the violence. Now, the problem is, is that they want to use it against everybody. They want to use it against me. They would use, they will use it against me, even though I don't agree with any of that stuff that happened. And it doesn't matter to them. This is what happens when you have this kind of an event. It allows your opponents to go way far down the field. It's a massive penalty. Think in terms of football. It's a massive penalty. You just gave up huge chunks of yardage on the field because of that. Representative Cawthorn, this is what they wrote in their letter, Representative Cawthorn incited the crowd using violent language and calling his colleagues cowards. The voters of North Carolina deserve the truth from our elected officials. We will not tolerate misinformation, conspiracy theories, and lies from our representatives. And by the way, I did double check before the show began, and the tweet from Nancy Pelosi is still up. The tweet where she questions the legitimacy of the 2016 election. Hillary Clinton, I think I mentioned this yesterday, Hillary Clinton actually uh, stated about a month before the 2020 election, that she lost because uh, of uh, a rigged election. It was stolen from her. Democrats have been making this argument that the election was stolen, the election was rigged for four years. And now, all of a sudden, to say that an election is rigged is sedition. See, this is what, when you engage in that violent behavior, this is what you allow your opponents to do. I, and and you may not like it, but that's the truth. They These are the people, um, by the way, that are demanding Cawthorn resign or be forced out. These are the same people who tolerated violence porn when it was their guy running for the seat, Mo Davis, right? 
We see, when Mo Davis was vividly describing killing Republicans in his tweet where he said, quote, we stomp their scrawny pasty necks with our heels, and once you hear the sound of a crisp snap, you grind your heel hard and twist it slowly side to side for good measure. He needs to know who whooped his ass. Well, that was just punditry. That was just punditry, you see? That's a, no, 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 that's... That wasn't violent rhetoric at all. He's not inciting people to violence. I mean, even though at the time people are, you know, quote, punching Nazis and Nazis are all Trump supporters and they're, you know, attacking people at these MAGA rallies and they're uh, they're starting to attack uh, or surround and intimidate elected officials and government officials who are out to eat. Right. Just just because that stuff is going on at this time, it doesn't mean that he was had any role in that. No, no, no. You should vote for him. He's not inciting violence because he's of the left, you see. And even though violence occurs after we say these things, we're not responsible. While Republicans were getting attacked by leftist mobs, we were not allowed to blame any political candidate like Mo Davis with his tens of thousands of followers on social media. We couldn't blame him for inciting any kind of violence when he called for it. That was just hyperbole. That was that was harmless. This is the corrosive double standard that people on the right are absolutely sick of. It's how we got Trump, and it led right up to what happened at the Capitol as well. That, And I'm not excusing what happened at the Capitol. I condemn that, and the people who did it, I think, have been very clear on that. But a lot of righties are sick of accepting violent speech from the left as normal. And if you're going to continue to do so, and not face repercussions, I've said this for years, you're not going to like it when the right adopts your standard. And it looks like they have. And now, and again, I don't know how to break that cycle now. I keep trying. So, no, I have zero interest in listening to people who could not condemn the violence and their own violent, insightful rhetoric of their allies last year and the year before the year before if you if you could not do that before i don't give a flying fig newton about what you have to say right now about this now i'll tell you who i do want to hear from uh former henderson county sheriff george Irwin. see this makes a difference i think this is actually of benefit because he's a republican and uh he was a supporter of madison cawthorn and he says he's sorry i'll tell you what he said in a minute uh, first, I will never be sorry for recommending Old Grouch's Military Surplus to you. Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, he's got great gear for you, w- whether you're looking for um, Kevlar. Uh, he's got helmets, Italian military Kevlar helmets. They just came in. Uh, solid pieces, great prices. He's got ammo cans. Uh, you just got a huge batch of ammo cans so, uh, for you know all sorts of storage. Um, and he said they're like ammo and guns. Now they're getting really hard to find. They come in all sizes. They're really functional and cool. So you can put them in your shed or your garage, put them in your vehicle. Well, anywhere, basically for storage purposes. Also gun accessories. There are a ton of people who have just gone out and gotten, um, uh, gotten their, you know, concealed carry permits. Uh, they've made gun purchases. So he has a ton of, uh, selection of slings, magazine pouches, other accessories for guns. So if you are among the record number of new gun owners, let Tim at Old Grouch's help you outfit it with some of the essential accessories. Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street. Shop is open Monday through Saturday and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So George Irwin, 
He is the former sheriff of Henderson County, the home county of Madison Cawthorn. He posted a, a statement on Facebook, I believe, and he says, I apologize to all of my law enforcement friends, other politicians, family and friends. I was wrong. I misled you. When I saw his speech to the crowd in Washington, I thought, this is not good. Words mean things, and when they leave your mouth, you cannot bring them back. Your words can incite or calm. I saw no calming words, and people died and were injured. Our country is an embarrassment on the world stage. Then, when I read that he was paying $30,000 a year for office space in the Henderson County Courthouse, and uh, Mark Meadows had paid 6000 I thought he and his staff do not understand budgets and their congressional MRA. Then I heard he had a shower installed. Then I thought, seriously, you only live a few miles away from the courthouse. We need to monitor the big salaries he is paying for no experience as well. By hiring folks with absolutely no experience, who suffers? The person that needs help with their Social Security, their veterans benefits, Medicaid, Medicare, local government issues, agriculture issues, the list goes on. So to reiterate, I am so apologetic. I'd like to think that my family would be proud of me. In this case, I have sorely disappointed so many, including myself. I will close with this. Leadership is the action you take, not the position you hold. Sadly, our young congressman does not get it. Now, George Irwin, retired sheriff of Henderson County, uh, also said that uh, he was offered a job to be the district director for uh, Cawthorn. But after uh, he said he saw Cawthorn's role in the riot, in the speech and stuff, he says he no longer has his support. He says he turned it down. That, to me, is more meaningful than anybody on the left who could not bring themselves to condemn the uh, the riots over the last year because it's a consistent standard. And I think a lot of problems could be solved if we all strove to have a consistent standard. This actually came up in an interview that uh, our friend Casey O'Day, who is a talk show host for uh, the iHeart stations in Raleigh and in Greensboro, um, and he had a WRAL reporter on with him, a guy by the name of Travis Fain. And Folks who listen to this show know I am not a huge fan of Travis Fain's work. Okay. I find a lot of his efforts on social media to be more moral preening and virtue signaling than the uh than the conveyance of information in a fair and impartial manner. And and I don't expect everybody to be objective. Uh I do expect journalists to try to be fair. And uh I see a lot of his uh his commentary as undermining that. So that's my opinion of the guy or, or his work. I don't know the guy personally. So I'm just, this is all just his work. And I've been very critical of his work and the way he displays himself on social media. So I was very interested to hear this interview that uh, he gave to Casey O'Day. Cause it's first off, it's rare that you have a reporter that will go and talk about basically opinions about things. Um, but I guess he's on social media giving his opinion about other stuff, so this really shouldn't surprise me. So here is the uh, the first bit where they start talking about uh, the U.S. Capitol riot and what is his takeaway from that. It's a little shocking uh, where we are. You, you would think that uh, a literal attack on the U.S. Capitol would be a rallying point and would be something where people would – there would be some personal accountability in it, and, and not just for people – who, who participated, 
but for people who kind of egged it on or for people who remained silent or people who said, oh, it's not that bad, it'll never get that bad. And it just doesn't seem to have happened. We've got people who've kind of condemned the violence, uh, which is always a first step. But that second step of, gee, let me let me let me do some introspection here. Let me look inside and and, and, and see where I may have contributed to this. That step just doesn't seem to be happening for you. <laughs> just for you, for all you Republicans. That's what he's talking about and who he's talking to. He wants everyone else to do what George Irwin did. He wants everybody who is a Republican who voted for Trump or who didn't think that this would occur. He wants you to take responsibility. He doesn't have any responsibility, right? The, 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 the under siege mentality that people on the right feel because of the way the left engages in politics and the way they get a pass from their allies in the media, he has no responsibility there. He does not accept any kind of responsibility or blame in contributing to how we got Trump, right? Um, he just expects you to claim responsibility. He wants you to fall on the sword, self-flagellate, whip thyself, and uh, you know, uh, uh, give your mea culpa in public, and then maybe you know, retire from the scene and let the Democrats run the show. <laughs> now, he doesn't say all of that, obviously, but that's where this is going. Because this is the Lincoln Project's line. This is, you got to burn the whole Republican Party down to the ground and then rebuild it with something else. Oh, and by the way, while that all happens, you know who's in charge? Leftists. And I'm sorry, maybe you want to turn the control of the state over to the people that were like, uh, yeah, well, an accusation against this guy, Brett Kavanaugh, from 30 years ago is totally enough to ruin his life. Like, maybe you want to turn the levers of government over to those people? I most certainly do not. Okay, I do not. They are no better. They're not. They're not any better. And that's like you're you're demanding that I pick one over the other in the hopes that like, oh, see, this was violence. And so you got to condemn the violence and then you got to claim responsibility for it. Okay, well, if we're all doing that, then how about everybody condemn all the violence that their allies were doing, too? Now, that's not what aboutism. That is a consistent standard. You're demanding that one group of people hold themselves to a different standard than you hold yourself and your allies. And the price of that, by the way, is political power, where you get to tell those people that you demanded they adhere to a stricter standard, where you get to do all sorts of stuff that they don't like. I fail to see this as a way forward. All right, next uh, next clip from Travis Fain appearing on the Casey O'Day morning show in Raleigh and Greensboro. You know, I question why you would go to that rally if you did not believe there was a stolen election. And you mentioned, you know, Black Lives Matter. Uh, whatever you think of the, of the methods, I mean, obviously, there was there's been violence at Black Lives Matter uh, rallies that have turned into riots, and that's that's awful. But you know, at least they were protesting a real thing. Look at this. See, look, what does he just do right there? At least they're protesting a real thing. This kind of moral equivocation is precisely the problem. At least they're protesting a real thing. Hey, newsflash, news guy. People who were protesting at that rally last week, they think they're protesting a real thing too. They are. Now, you may disagree with that, and I may disagree with that, but you're minimizing what is motivating them to go do this. Just like when people would say, well, you know, all lives matter. That was seen as minimizing the complaints of the people that were so angry 
when they would say Black Lives Matter. And then what did they do? They went out to people in the, you know, uh, that were dining out on the streets and they were like, you need to say Black Lives Matter. You need to say it. They were demanding this adherence and the mantra recitations. How is this any different? Oh, because you believe that black people are being gunned down by cops all over America. By the way, despite evidence that says that's not the case. Right. Despite evidence that says it's not the case that cops are on the hunt for murder you know, to go murder a whole bunch of black people all the time. That's not to minimize police brutality as an issue. And that's not to say that the concerns and the right to, uh, you know, to get uh, grievances addressed by government, uh, uh, that those are not things that people should be uh, searching for. Of course not. You want to go and you want to march and you want to do that stuff. Fine. But when it comes to the violence, my God, man, just call it awful like you did and then stop. That's it. Full stop. That's it. You don't keep going with this extra explanation, but you know, at least it was whatever, because what you're doing is giving it a pass. It's the same kind of crap that I've been talking about for now a year, and you continue to do it, and you still don't even see that you're doing it. I got a, a message uh, from uh, somebody who works uh, at uh, the uh, the state capitol who said, you know, about Travis Fain some time ago, he said, you know, his, his biggest issue is he, he fails to see his own blind spots. He's got a huge blind spot here. And in the process of answering a question about the very thing that he's doing, he does it. (laughs) And he doesn't even notice. George Floyd really was murdered. Oh, my gosh. Murdered is a murdered is a specific crime. He was killed. He has no one has been convicted of the murder yet. And I know there is video, but there are also other pieces of evidence and information that would come out in court. That's why you allow the court system to adjudicate this stuff. And why am I telling this to somebody who is supposed to be a journalist? Words matter. Just like, I mean, because I'm sure Travis Fain was one of the folks who was saying, well, you know, the AP Stylebook says we should not use the term illegal alien because that's a, because uh, the AP st- uh, says that you can't use the term because it is uh, a legal definition. And the people who get. Uh, picked up they are not technically adjudicated as illegal aliens and so we're going to use undocumented immigrant or whatever right i'm sure he buys that whole line of argument it's why i use the term unauthorized immigrant because it's more precise and they haven't been adjudicated as quote illegal aliens under the law but now you're going to use the term murdered and maybe it's just a mistake and maybe i'm nitpicking so i'll move on okay there really is racism black people really do face different treatment from police True. There was no stolen election. There, there was no stolen. And he says this. You hear the certitude in his voice. There was no stolen election. Such certitude. Upon what evidence does he have to be so certain? I don't think that the election was stolen. But has he done any research? Has he watched any of the hearings? Does he know this evidence? When you listen to the rest of his answer, you will realize he hasn't. He hasn't. He's he, he just knows what he thinks he knows, and that makes him sure of it. Well, one of the things that we saw in the Trump administration was two-year investigation into the assertion that there was a stolen election. The, the, the polling that I saw about the time they released the Mueller report was that there were still better than 50% of identified Democrats that thought that there were votes that were changed by 
uh, Russians or whomever, bad, bad state actors outside of the U.S. True. This is Casey O'Day, the host of the show named the Casey O'Day Show. And so there was a lot of people that thought, including the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who her tweets are still up about this, who thought that there were shenanigans afoot at the very least. And so this idea that people may think that during what was admittedly a very unusual election, right? True. I mean, you would admit that we had to do things differently because of COVID and, and there was a lot of political wrangling. Is it unfair sure. if people think that there that there was, or at the very least, they think that there's questions that need to be answered and they'd like a quote-unquote audit of it? Is, is that impractical well, I mean, after the audit that we saw for Trump's election? There are always going to be... A few shenanigans in, a, in an election that involve you know I always say you do anything you know 160 million times it's going to be a little weird <laughs> you know there, there are going to be individual things that go on and then that's how many votes there are in this country and it's been like that for, for for years and years and years and the difference this time was there were more mail-in ballots but I mean if you think about how elections operate and and how many people have to be on the fix for there to be a fix. I mean, it's just a sta- – it would be a conspiracy of, of, of staggering numbers. And the burden of proof is, is going to be on the people who make the accusation. And after all these lawsuits – I mean, the president's side got a fair hearing, um, although I don't so, know that Rudy Giuliani was in the, the legal team he assembled was, was uh, the, the, the strongest foot forward they could have put. But that kind of tells you something right there. This is so limited in its view. This this assessment, but he's so sure of it. He is so certain of stuff that he doesn't actually know. Casey uh, O'Day rightfully points out that most of these challenges, these complaints never actually went to court. They were dismissed on grounds that you didn't have standing. You missed the timeline, didn't have the jurisdiction correct. Right. So a lot of these just got dismissed. I've been of the same opinion. Put up or shut up, right? I've been of the same opinion. Let's see the evidence. It's the same opinion I had when Democrats were saying this as well. And they went through all of the Mueller investigation. They went through, what, four years of this Russia collusion hoax, a conspiracy theory driven by elected officials that had half of the country thinking that Donald Trump was a Russian asset. And it was all a lie paid for by Democrats. So don't tell me that somehow or another this is really different now. It's not. The only thing different is your interpretation of what the evidence is and whether or not it's something to be pursued. Something to pursue, I would tell you, is CBD oil. I take it when I go to bed, right before I go to bed, uh, and it helps me sleep more deeply than I ever have before. In my life, Grower's Hemp is the only CBD product that I take. Uh, I highly recommend it to you. Grower's Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract. Add it to your daily routine, like I did. And uh, what are you looking for? A better quality of life? Maybe deeper sleep as well. Lower tension? Maybe immune system resilience? Um, If you go to growershemp.com, you will see testimonials from real people, listeners of the show, who have uh, tried Grower's Hemp. They use the, uh, the CBD product. And they like it. Carol Sue said she felt well rested and did not toss and turn as much as she normally does. She says she's a morning person and it didn't interfere with her normal morning routine. So she did not feel drowsy. Uh, It's nothing like a sleep aid. She said she was surprised at how quickly and gently the drops work. Um, And uh, Leslie says she likes the taste. Light berry and it's not overpowering. So go to growershemp.com. Type in the promo code Pete at checkout and get 20% off. Now, 
As always, GovCo requires me to tell you that these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Growers Hemp, from North Carolina farmers to your home, it's about the hemp and not the hype. So then the radio host Casey O'Day asks Travis Fain about the uh, consistent standards and whether they are applied by politicians and media. Do you think that they that the media has done a good job in being consistent between what is two sets of people questioning how an election transpired? I think it's very difficult to talk about the media writ large. You know, you're one person, I'm one person. All right, this is such a dodge. Obviously, Travis understands the question. Obviously, he understands what people mean when they say the media. And obviously, there was different treatment in the way the media, the mainstream legacy outlets, those that drive the national conversation, the most influential news organizations in America and in this state, those who drive the conversation and the public narrative about what happened and what did not happen. And what they said happened for four years was that Russia was involved in installing Trump into the White House and that those accusations merited a full blown investigation. They merited congressional hearings. Right. They merited the Mueller report. All of that was worthwhile. But when Trump says the elections were stolen because Democrats started suing all of these states in order to create chaos and confusion about what uh, about new mailing systems and uh, 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 balloting systems and such, all of these rules that get torn down as the election is underway and doing so in contravention of state law, going around state legislatures to impose new law that this inspired a lack of confidence in these election systems. And so Trump is up there saying, I had the election stolen from me. Again, I haven't seen the evidence to suggest that that is true, but it is, in my view, it is no different than what the Clinton uh, camp and the Democrats were saying about their election loss. But for one narrative, it's acceptable. And for the other, it is not. And maybe if you stop deflecting and dismissing this kind of stuff, maybe there's a way forward for us. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. That's a wrap for the episode. I appreciate you listening. Don't forget, go over to thepetecalendarshow.com. Click subscribe, and you'll get the podcast every day to your phone or tablet. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. 